This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy New Year, everybody, from the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, and of course, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns247, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I am doing much better now. I want to apologize to our listeners. We had a bit of a hiatus for the last week because I tested positive for covid last Wednesday. So I'm currently day seven. Um, I believe I'm still positive, but I'm at least feeling much better. Um, I will say I kind of dodged a bullet when I had it back in September, had no symptoms. And it was like, oh, you know, you you got away with it that time. Here's a double whammy because this last week has been pretty miserable. But I'm glad to be back, Chip. Uh, Our first show of of us together of 2022. It seems weird considering it's January 12th and we're having our first show this year. How are you doing? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Had a great holiday. Had my, my son, who's a a freshman at Colorado state who made a three, six in his business classes. Well, he made a three, six overall, but he's majoring in business first semester. So I got that for a Christmas present. I'm so happy and excited uh, about that, and my daughter's doing great. So I'm I'm ready to talk some football because Taylor, we are we're a week away from uh, classes starting for the spring semester, which means early enrollees and and you know signing day coming up in February. So lots to talk about. Also, Texas basketball, obviously, both the men and women ranked. Uh, in the top 25 and and have um, you know looked impressive at times and not so impressive here uh, lately uh, at times but uh, we'll get into all of it and I think um, you know we're also hearing about Texas doing some portal fishing transfer portal fishing and and Taylor probably the biggest name right now uh, is TCU's Oshawn Mathis a a three-year starter, a second-team All-Big 12, um, you know, defensive lineman, defensive end, 14 career career sacks, 30 uh, career tackles for loss, had nine sacks as a sophomore, and we're hearing Texas might be in a good position to pick up TCU uh, defensive lineman O'Shawn Mathis. Yeah, and that's going to – that could be a huge addition if Texas can land him – um, according to Mike Roach's sources, his name isn't did appear in the transfer portal. And as of Wednesday, um, the Longhorns really started picking up steam with this. But this is a big time get, Chip. I mean, because there's no denying that Texas could definitely use a lot more experienced bodies on the on both lines of scrimmage, let's be honest, but also on defensive line at that edge position. 
And it's kind of it's kind of interesting the the timing of this because you know a former TCU head coach has been uh, on campus at Texas, and all of a sudden this uh, you know a defensive minded guy in Gary Patterson, and now Texas is potentially in the lead for O'Shawn Mathis, which is a big get. But I imagine that may have uh, helped Gary Patterson with uh, his talks with Steve Sarkeesian. What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think there was. Uh interest uh, from Steve Sarkeesian uh, before the O'Shawn Mathis possibility, but this all just makes it that much more, um, well, beneficial to the Longhorns, certainly. And, and you bring up a great point because Gary Patterson, we're just waiting on the news release for an announcement that Patterson will be joining uh, Texas's football operation. Um, and, you know, he can do a lot of different things. So we'll wait for Steve Sarkeesian to outline the, the job description, but we've already talked about how Gary Patterson's wife, Kelsey went to school at Texas, worked for DeLos Dodds when he was the athletic director. She worked for one of UT's biggest boosters, Bill Duvall, uh, who runs Lincoln properties. Uh, so Gary knows the, the boosters, the, the way things work at Texas. He could help Steve Sarkeesian, you know, whether it's scouting, opponents helping with uh, giving thoughts to defensive game plans that kind of thing but he can also help with um you know being a liaison to the athletic department or you know booster groups uh, because he certainly gets that and his former athletic director at tcu is now the athletic director at texas so uh, that's another exciting element for texas fans to sort of keep an eye on uh, now you you add in O'Shawn Mathis, and um, if you've been following our man Mike Roach, he he wrote um, this week about the fact that Alabama, well, obviously Mario Williams, we should start there, the OU wide receiver, uh, big play guy, uh, was on campus, uh, is on campus. We're recording this on Wednesday, and that's significant. I mean. I think USC has to be considered the favorite for Mario Williams because all indications are that, you know, Caleb Williams is probably going to be headed from OU to USC, but um, it's says something that he is on campus. And anytime you take a visit to a school close to when you're going to be making the decision, it gives you a chance, Taylor. Yeah, it does. And, and this is a, a position of need, obviously any Texas fan that watched last season knows that wide receiver is still remains, you know, a position of need for Texas in the transfer portal. Um, you know, the Longhorns did a really good job of getting the needs at offensive line, defensive line in the 2022 early signing period back in December. But the wide receiver position still is kind of a question mark, I think, Chip, going into the season and adding a guy. I mean, he was named a true freshman All-American by ESPN and Mario Williams was at his um, played in 11 of 12 games, you know, uh, was a, a key playmaker for the Sooners and for Lincoln Riley. And you're right. I think that there's no denying that I think any of the offensive skill players, especially that um, may be entering the transfer portal or considering transferring from Oklahoma, I think our all of our automatic thought is USC is probably the landing spot, especially if Caleb Williams does end up um, with the Trojans, uh, I believe over the weekend, he was taking a visit to USC. There's pictures of him spotted at, um, I forget which NFL game it was. Was it the Chargers game that he was spotted at? Probably. 
I think some, yeah. So, um, you know, Caleb Williams was out in Los Angeles over the weekend. So that could obviously change, you know, where Texas stands in looking at Mario Williams. But the fact that Texas is in the mix, especially at a position of need, that that's what we've talked over and over again about adding experience to the wide receiver room. And that would be something that Texas would have to probably address in the transfer portal. Now Texas at least has their receivers coach in place after hiring Pitt um, receivers coach Brennan Marion. Um, now they can sell, you know, Brennan Marion had the, what was it? The Blitnikoff award winner. Um, I can't, his name's escaping me, but um, you know, at Pitt this past year. So he knows what he's doing. He can sell that for Texas and, uh, if Texas can stay in the mix with Mario Williams, that could be a difference maker, Chip, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. They absolutely need to add uh, talent, experience, both to the wide receiver room um, after, you know, Joshua Moore ends up transferring to Texas Tech. And, you know, you've only gotten two proven playmakers, really, and Xavier Worthy and um, – you know, Jordan Whittington, and then you're hoping that guys like Troy O'Meary, Calvante Dixon can take the next step, but um, that's that's still thin. And you, you had three big-time receivers decommit in the 2022 class, including five-star Evan Stewart, who ended up at A&M. So um, that's why Brennan Marion is here. I mean, we've we've reported extensively about that. Ed Horn's 24-7 that um, Steve Sarkeesian's biggest, uh, you know, beef with receivers coach um, Andre Coleman is was recruiting. You know, yeah. Andre Coleman tended to go for the more uh, chip-on-the-shoulder guy uh, with something to prove. Sarkeesian wants Ferraris, and, and so um, they're going after uh, Ferrari with yeah. Mario Williams, who's the third – ranked um prospect in the portal right now according to 24 7 sports um of course behind caleb williams who's number one um so uh, a couple other names in that on that list are alabama linebacker drew sanders and alabama tight end jaleel billingsley and um those are big names i mean drew sanders was a a five-star recruit out of uh, denton ryan and uh, Jaleel Billingsley has been making plays at the highest level um, for three years. I mean, he's a he's a proven guy, but Alabama always has so much talent uh, that it, you know, one injury you can fall behind, get recruited over, which is kind of what happened with Drew Sanders, and uh, you know, for Jaleel Billingsley, um, you know, I think it's interesting. Jeff Banks was his position coach at Alabama. So um, maybe there's a, you know, better relationship there than is, you know, on the Alabama roster. I don't know, but uh, the bottom line is those guys are in the portal and Texas is all over them. Yeah. And linebacker obviously is a position of need plus tight end as well. After Texas uh, lost Jared Wiley to the transfer portal. I don't, I mean, no offense, Jared Wiley. I'm not sure how big of a loss that truly is, but I feel like, you know, we were talking before we started recording, he didn't necessarily fit the type of offensive system that they need the tight ends to be, you know, when there's Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, he's more of more an of, air raid yeah. tight end that doesn't have to block as much as what Steve Sarkeesian wants, and he'll he'll find that at TCU with Sonny Dykes. 
Yeah, for sure. So those are two, you know, key positions. And, you know, if Texas, anytime I feel like you can pull some talent from Alabama, um, it's usually a good sign because even their backups, a lot of them are four and five star former prospects. And, you know, as you mentioned, Drew Sanders, um, the linebacker of Alabama, he was a composite five star prospect in the 2020 class. So he, you know, already has a lot of experience or a lot of, um, you know, playing time left at his college career. Plus, you know, he does have the experience of at least being in a college program. Um, he didn't, he played mainly, I think on special teams, I believe in 2021, but that's not necessarily saying much, you know, that's a five-star sitting behind five stars on the roster there at Alabama. So, um, you know, I think if Texas can get either of those two, if not both, I mean, that, that's a, that's a big get for the Longhorns and, um, you'll kind of, I think we'll see what type of recruiting chops the, the Texas staff still has with the Alabama players with, you know, Jeff Banks, Steve Sarkeesian, AJ Milwee, all uh, coming from Alabama, but there's no doubt that I think Jeff Banks relationship in the recruitment of uh, Jaleel Billingsley will probably come through huge and Texas could definitely use more bodies at tight end and again at linebacker too. So those are definitely guys to watch for Texas um, in the next few weeks as they look to make their decision. Yeah, with Cade Brewer and, and Jared Wiley both moving on, you've got the young guns. You've got Jatavian Sanders, Gunnar Helm, um, Juan Davis, but there's not a lot of experience. There's almost no experience there. So uh, that would be a, a good place to add. And of course, you have the Burnt Ends NIL program. That's true. For the tight ends, which I believe guarantees them like 10 grand a year. So not bad. Um, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Another, <laughs> another, uh, something to think about. Um, okay. So while we're, Mentioning the transfer portal, uh, Casey Thompson has landed at Nebraska, and uh, and hopefully that'll be a good spot for him. Um, but Taylor, the uh, the early enrollees, as we prepare for classes to begin, the early enrollees for Texas are safety Brian Allen. Uh, defensive lineman Jeray Bledsoe, running back Jaden Blue, cornerback Xavion Bryce, cornerback Terrence Brooks, uh, defensive lineman Aaron Bryant, quarterback Quinn Ewers, uh, edge rusher Justice Finkley, cornerback Jalen Gilbo, offensive lineman Cole Hudson, quarterback Malik Murphy, and cornerback Ryan Watts, the Ohio State transfer. So um, obviously the the name that's going to jump off that page to everyone is quarterback Quinn Ewers. Uh, he needs to get in and start digesting this uh, voluminous Steve Sarkeesian offense and go through the spring and get as comfortable as he can um, in learning this offense because it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a lot. And and Steve Sarkeesian has never hidden that. The the quarterbacks at Texas have never shied away from talking about the amount that they really have to digest in um every single day. I mean, you when you go back to the season when Casey Thompson would talk about how much film he would watch, not I don't think that was just because he was so addicted to watching film. I think it was because you have to. You have to have that diligence to be the quarterback in this offensive scheme and 
Um, you know, while I know everybody's really excited to see Quinn Ewers, and I, I personally am excited to see him too. I mean, we haven't really seen him play much of any football um, since, what, 2019, basically. So I, I'm really excited to see what this kid can do. But you also, I think, need to have the patience. You know, we've talked about this over and over again, and I know that can be a trigger word for some Texas fans, and I don't mean it to be a trigger word at all. But there's a lot that these quarterbacks really have to take in in running this offense. And, you know, Steve Sarkeesian asks a lot of the quarterbacks, and he demands a lot of them too. You know, it's not just um, – oh, you know, do things right and then you could work out. It, it's, no, you do things right and you need to do it at an elite level. And I think that was, you know, kind of the ups and downs that the quarterback position had um, in the 2021 season. I don't necessarily think it's because of the lack of talent. I think it's, you know, there's just a lot thrown at them. And with uh, being in a, a new system, you know, learning a new system and not having the normal 2021 offseason, you know, having hiccups with COVID, um, having that freeze, you know, having the death of Jake Ellinger, there was a lot of adversity that the the team in general had to make it through during the offseason. And that doesn't help when you're trying to learn a scheme or an offense as detailed as what Steve Sarkeesian has. So, you know, Quinn Ewers definitely has a lot of uh, catching up to do, I think. But, you know, his raw talent probably puts him a little bit ahead of Hudson Card right now. But where Hudson Card, I think, Chip, has the advantage is, he does at least understand what all is involved in this offense, what the playbook looks like. I imagine Quinn Ewers has the playbook too, and has probably been working on studying that, you know, um, ever since he signed with Texas, but there's no doubt that he's got a lot of uh, learning to do. And it's going to be interesting to see how this, you know, quarterback battle kind of shakes out through spring practice. And, um, and also I'm excited to see Malik Murphy too. I mean, yeah. this kid has a lot of upside and I know he's kind of been overlooked ever since Quinn Ewers, um, signed with Texas and understandably so. I mean, you know, Quinn Ewers was the uh, highest rated quarterback prospect coming out of high school since Vince Young. So in 20 years, he was the highest rated one um, in that time in that time frame. But, um, you know, I, I don't think you count out Malik Murphy either because he's a really talented athlete and he's a little raw. But I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how he fits into this, you know, quarterback position room. Um, in spring practice and, you know, leading into the 2022 season. Yeah, it um, it's a it's a lot. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, I think the, the quarterback position got scapegoated some uh, last year in that six game losing streak. It wasn't all the quarterback play that was was contributing to those losses. And and Hudson Card deserves a second chance from Texas fans. I mean, the the jump from year one of an offense to year two uh, is substantial and needs to be substantial. And, you know, Texas fans are going to be all about Quinn Ewers or a bunch of the Texas fans are going to be all about Quinn Ewers, get him on the field. How can he not start? And, and that's part of the problem with <laughs> – with where Texas has been the last eight, nine years, it's been all about the hype and the hope and not enough about the grind and the process and gaining experience and learning and then becoming a leader and helping to lead this program forward. That leadership keeps rotating um, from coach to coach, now player to player. The quarterback position obviously is the most important 
in football because he touches the ball every play and is basically responsible for one uh, phase of the three phases of the game. But, um, you know, Hudson Card has the most experience. We know he's talented. Can he get comfortable? Can he gain that pocket presence that he needs? Can he, um, you know, build on his relationship with the playmakers already on campus for this offense? And, and also help tutor Quinn Ewers because it's a team, you know, they got to help each other. They got to lift each other up, even though they're competing at the same position. And um, how will Quinn Ewers fit into the locker room? He's made all this NIL money and, you know, they're veterans who don't have made a nickel off of NIL. So there's a lot of stuff that uh, is going to sort itself out and, it's great that he's coming in for spring football because that's enormous. And um, cause I do feel like there's a, a bit of a start over now at the quarterback position um, because Hudson card had some good moments, but he had some tough moments. And um, the last time we saw him, he suffered a strip sack and threw a pick six in the Kansas game. And so, you know, it's um, well, West Virginia. And then he, you know, got hurt in the West Virginia game, but, um, you know, he needs to be able to, to work his way back and, and develop and fans need to have an open mind. Yes. I mean, what if Malik Murphy is the, the, (laughs) the best quarterback in the spring? Yeah, no, for sure. And, and this goes back to Steve Sarkeesian was hired as the head coach of Texas for a lot of reasons, but his ability to develop the quarterback position and his, um, you know, him being regarded as one of the best play callers in football. Those are two of the big reasons why he is the head coach at Texas. So if Steve Sarkeesian at this point, Chip, there's no um, reason to question his decision making at the quarterback position. I think there were some times, you know, um, leading into the 2021 season and going with Hudson Carr, then going with Casey Thompson, there were some questions a little bit, but still at the end of the day, he was breaking in a first time starter, regardless of who it was. And you're always going to have ups and downs, or I should say more times than not, you're going to have ups and downs when that's the case. Maybe if you're Caleb Williams, you don't have that, but more times than not first time starting quarterbacks at the college level, they're going to have some growing pains that you have to get through. You know, you have to just make it through them and continue to press on. But um, I think that this is where it's going to be probably a tough task, I think, especially for a lot of Texas fans, if say the situation were to play out where Hudson card is ahead of Quinn Ewers, that not, that isn't, that doesn't mean that Quinn Ewers is a bust. It doesn't mean that Steve Sarkeesian doesn't know what he's doing. It means that he's a little bit further ahead and that's okay. And, you know, you go back to look at Vince Young. I mean, he didn't start every single season that he was on campus. Right. Chance Um, Mock. Yeah, Chance Mock started over him. And yeah, Vince 15 Young are- touchdowns and two interceptions when he got benched for Vince Young. Yeah. And and you you can argue that Vince Young is probably one of the most elite quarterbacks in college, at least in recent college football history. And so, but he still wasn't ready day one. He had the perfect, you know, one rating as a recruit coming out of high school. Sure. Yeah. And he did not start day one. And that's okay. And I think that in today's world, and it's not just Texas fans, I think it's just in general, when there's so much attention on recruiting now, especially in the rankings and the ratings and everything. And it's easy for a lot of people to expect day one All-Americans when a five-star signs. 
However, there are very few day one All-Americans, even if they were the best player coming out of high school. So, you know, you're going to have to really try to practice um, patience. I hate to say that because I know it really probably bothers people when I say that word, but you do have to understand that Steve Sarkeesian was hired for this exact situation. He got one of, you know, he he was able to hold on to Hudson Card, which is a good thing because at least there's one quarterback that has a full year of understanding the offense, even though he didn't start every game. He did start some games. He did enough to earn the starting um, quarterback tag at the start of the season. That's a good thing that he's still on campus. And then Steve Sarkeesian got the top rated quarterback prospect in, you know, two decades to transfer from Ohio State. That was huge. So just trust. If, if Quinn Ewers came to Texas because Steve Sarkeesian sold him on it, maybe trust the process here. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch regardless. Um, I feel like you and I are probably like uh, a little bit. Um, I don't want to say, you know, having people temper their expectations, but maybe tap the brakes a little bit just for our own sanity, <laughs> you know, going over at Horns 24-7 if this plays out where Hudson Card ends up being ahead of Quinn Ewers coming out of the spring. But I think that Texas is, even with that, with losing Casey Thompson chip, I feel that Texas quarterback room is probably in a better situation now than it was, you know, say the week 12 of the 2021 season. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I, I do know that um, there's, there's talent in that room and Steve Sarkeesian will, you know, will bring it out of them. And that's, you know, this place is tough on the quarterback position. We've, you know, Garrett Gilbert, um, David Ash, Case McCoy. I mean, the fans were were rough on Case McCoy, like to the point where you you couldn't believe it because uh, all the guy did was win in some big spots for them. Um, but this place is tough. I mean, it comes with the territory. If you want to be the quarterback at Texas, uh, you got to have – second guessers and doubters breathing down your neck and you got to pretend it's a scarf to keep you warm because um, you can't let that stuff get to you. You got, you got too much going on uh, between the white lines. So uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch that position develop and um, hope, hopefully it, it goes better than expected. Cause right now, look, there's so much in this offense because they run everything, because they run a gap scheme and zone on the offensive line, there's all kinds of protections that have to be called, all kinds of motions that have to be called. In addition to just calling the play, um, it's a lot. And Steve Sarkeesian is on the record saying he doesn't like starting first-year quarterbacks because there's too much to learn. So um, it's it's going to take a while. And the spring football may be ugly. Remember, they don't have any offensive linemen. <clears throat> that leads us into the next point, Taylor, and that is of all those early enrollees, you're excited Quinn Ewers is in there. You're excited. You know, all those guys are in there. Um, you know, the cornerbacks, uh, Terrence Brooks and Ryan Watts, but only one offensive lineman, and, and that's Cole Hudson. He's a good one. Um, but all those studs that uh, Texas signed late, you know, Kelvin Banks, Cameron Williams, um, you know, uh, NATO, uh, Yuma Zula, and Malik Agbo, Connor Robertson, they are not enrolling early. Um, and that's, 
that's a bummer. That's probably my biggest disappointment of, you know, the, of spring, uh, that more of those offensive linemen are not early enrollees, but that's, that's the way it is. And we've talked about how that may mean, you know, Texas only has 11 scholarship offensive linemen going through hell walk on too, going through spring. And that is going to make it tough. It's going to make it tough to run two fields and, and not have guys just getting totally gassed. Yeah, that will be it. And it kind of remember last spring, it was kind of similar. They didn't really have much of a depth behind the two deep, you know, they had the uh, starting five on the orange team and starting five on the white team. That was pretty much it for the offensive line. And yeah, I agree, Chip, that that is a, a little bit of a disappointment for that position because obviously these guys are coming in, they're very highly touted prospects. And, you know, um, with offensive linemen, you definitely don't want to have to always rely on true freshmen for sure. Um, but if you are relying on a true freshman, you're, you better hope that they at least went through spring practice. You know, you look back to, um, oh my goodness, why is his name losing me? Uh, Zach Shackelford, you know, when he, when he came in, he started, you know, as a true freshman, he was there at least in uh, spring practice. He had the, um, you know, he kind of understood the process of the college, you know, uh, college game a little bit more, um, to be a little bit more prepared to start his true freshman year, but that's not necessarily any offensive line coaches, you know, ideal scenario um, at all. And so the fact that these guys not only um, may be required to be ready to go as true freshmen, but the fact that they're not coming in for spring, that's definitely a letdown. Um, And that kind of makes me wonder, Chip, do you think that at this point um, the offensive line is still a position that Texas may look to tackle in the transfer portal to add immediate um, you know, guys that can start immediately and have some experience there. I think so. I mean, mm-hmm. um, they said they would take up to nine in some combination of high school prospects and uh, in the portal. And so they still have, um, you know, a couple of spots they could use uh, on offensive line if if they find one they can connect with. So um, it's it is what it is, and in Texas is it. Look, it's going to give the guys who are returning, the Andre Carricks, the Hayden Connors, um, you know, more reps, and they those guys need to develop yeah. and put some pressure on guys like Christian Jones, and um, you know, one of those tackle positions is is available, um, and you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Calvin Banks, he's the highest rated tackle in the 2022 recruiting class surely he'll be the starter you never know yeah i mean connor williams um and sam cosme were three-star recruits who had unbelievable work ethic and want to and they came in and started not tyler johnson the you know the you know high four-star some had him as a five-star um offensive lineman so you just have to wait and see who wants it who who's going to put in the work who's going to grind. And unfortunately you're not going to see, um, you know, five of those guys until June. And, and so that is, you know, that is what it is. And, you know, Brian Allen, uh, at safety, that's huge that he's going through spring because Texas is empty 
you know, I mean, they got they got Jaron Thompson and JD Coffee at safety unless they're going to start moving people around. So, um, you know, Brian Allen needs to come in, seize the day, and and show what he's got because he he could end up uh, well, he'll be in the rotation immediately when he gets on campus. He wants to be there when the season starts. Yeah. Um, Taylor, you know, real quick on on Texas basketball before we get to love it or leave it. Um, you know, I think Texas fans uh, were a little surprised by the, you know, the loss at Oklahoma State last Saturday. The team just, they weren't the more aggressive team and Oklahoma State took it to them. And even though it was a four and five point game in the second half, it, it got away. Um, and Oak State is, you know, a big, long team. You didn't want them to start figuring things out against Texas. They did. So a seven and five team uh, puts Texas's first big 12 loss uh, in the loss column. Uh, but Texas bounces back with, a, I thought, surprisingly comfortable win over Oklahoma um, at home. They win by 14, and that game was never really in doubt. Andrew Jones attacking, uh, going to the free throw line, you know, 22 points, four steals. He embodied exactly what Chris Beard was talking about in terms of we've got to be the more aggressive team. And, and so Texas now heads to Iowa State um, Saturday, and Hilton Coliseum is a really tough place to play. And you never know what's going on with these COVID-19 protocols, but uh, Texas appears to be in pretty good shape. Trey Mitchell uh, did play a couple minutes. They're very skilled, big man. Uh, they're to me, he's their like number one um, scoring option. I mean, every the ball should be going through him, and then if he doesn't have something, kick it out for an outside shot. That's how skilled he is. Um, and so they need him healthy. And uh, this will be a really good test because let's be honest, Texas has struggled on the road. Obviously they played Gonzaga and they played uh, ranked Seton Hall team at the time. Um, but then you lose to Oklahoma state when no one's looking. And, and so they've got to establish their toughness on the road uh, against, a, you know, people don't even know who Iowa state's coach is <laughs> TJ Otzelberger, who was a longtime assistant at Iowa state under Greg McDermott and Fred Hoiberg and Steve Prome before going on to become the head coach at South Dakota state and UNLV. He's got this team playing hard and they're 12 and three. So this is a, this is a, in fact, Iowa state beat Texas tech. That's Texas tech's only conference loss at this point. Um, so uh, this will be a good, good indicator of, you know, how how tough this team can be on the road on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think Iowa State's actually thirteen and three, um, but they've lost three conference games. They lost to uh, Baylor, Oklahoma, and Kansas. And you kind of wonder, okay, Texas just stuck it to Oklahoma. Does that mean that? this is going to be a win. I don't know. I mean, I think that you're right with uh, this Texas basketball team. They've got to figure out how to play better on the road and play more consistently. Um, but I do think that the COVID situation has absolutely altered this. I mean, you know, this is, a, there's five people on the court and if one of your people, your starting guys are out, I mean, that that's a big loss. You know, it's not like a starter on a, 
and the offense is out for football. You know, it's totally different. There has to be some type of, um, you know, not necessarily teamwork, but they have to gel together. I think that the, especially the starting five on, um, you know, in basketball, they definitely have to gel together and the unknown with COVID, um, you know, protocols coming in, you never know what game's going to be canceled. I feel like right now. And as somebody that just had COVID, I will say, I uh, understand why some of these games are being canceled if players have symptoms because that was no fun. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that this will be a really interesting test because I'm not really sure who Iowa State is right now. You know, you look at their record, they have the same record as Texas, 13, I think Texas is 13 and three, right? Two, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, so they both have the same record. Obviously, Texas played um, a little bit more challenging opponents, I guess you could say, in a non-conference play, but you know, Iowa State losing to three conference teams, that's their only three losses. And they're, you know, Baylor obviously is a pretty solid team. Kansas is a pretty solid team. So um, this is going to well, be they a really... Beat Tech, and Tech just beat Kansas and it, Baylor, so... That's true, yeah. So and that's where it's like, you. I just don't know. I have no clue what this Iowa State team is right now. I really don't. Um, and that can maybe be a good thing for Texas or it could be a, a really bad thing. But I think that... Right now, you know, Chris Beard really has got to get these guys focused when they're on the road. Um, it's it's easier to play at home, but it's a lot more challenging, especially if you're a, a team with like Texas going on the road. Most teams in the Big 12 want to always beat Texas, regardless of the sport. It's not just in football. It's in basketball, too. So um, this will be a, an interesting challenge, but I think it helps that Texas did at least get some confidence probably from that win, that dominating win over Oklahoma, as you mentioned, that wasn't even really close on Tuesday night. Yeah. And defensively they were outstanding. I mean, Tanner Groves, Oklahoma's leading scorer and rebounder didn't attempt, attempt a shot until the nine forty mark of the second half um, was, you know, finished with three points, uh, two rebounds was a non-factor in the game and uh, kudos to Dylan DeZue and, and Christian Bishop, they doubled Tanner Groves hard, um, just like they um, they they doubled uh, T.J. Pack from Kansas State after after Pack lit him up in the first half. But um, they're making some good defensive adjustments that are that are paying off, and uh, this will be a good uh, good test. And and the Texas women, um, you know, they they had their game against Baylor postponed because of COVID. Uh, now uh, they're taking on the most improved team in the Big 12, Kansas, this weekend. And we'll see how the the Texas women continue to to gel um, and, and how their freshmen, especially point guard Rory Harmon, how she holds up because, man, Vic Schaefer's tough on his point guards and the freshman wall is real. And Rory's been outstanding. I mean, she had 21 points in the win over defending national champion Stanford. She was outstanding against AM. Uh, she's had a couple clunkers though, and that's that's okay. I mean, uh, she's a freshman. I don't care how good she is. She was a top 10 player and all that, but um, that's a fun team. They're going to get better and better. Um, all right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am Chip. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because football talk never ends, even though it's the off season right now on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We will be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you are not already subscribed to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, head on over to youtube.com forward slash Horns 24-7. Hit the subscribe button. Click the bell to get notifications on all the latest videos that we will be releasing um, this offseason. We're going to really be working to bulk up our video presence over at Horns 24-7. So you want to be ahead of it. You know, you don't want to be searching for our videos. You want to get the notifications straight to your phone or your inbox, you know, whenever we post something new. So head on over and uh, make sure you subscribe to that. Also, um, make sure you subscribe to the Horns 24-7 audio podcast on your favorite streaming device. And if you want to make our bosses, you know, happy, feel free to go over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. And uh, we'll read that on the air um, for the next ones for next show. I say you go over, leave us a review. We'll definitely read it next show um, next week here on the flagship podcast. But with that said, Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. And I, I, uh, you're getting over COVID and I'm battling cedar fever. Um, (laughs) My uh, my eyes are on fire, but uh, I am I'm ready for some love it or leave it. Hey, this is the first time I've worn makeup in over a week. I was pretty proud of it. I was like, oh, my skin's so fresh and clean. Then I just clog it up with makeup because I have to be on front of here. But my eyes are the same thing. I'll tell you, having COVID and cedar fever at the same time, I didn't know what. I was like, just end it now, please. Oh. Like, just I slept basically all day. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to be awake. I feel terrible. And I don't know what symptoms it is, if it's COVID or cedar fever, but welcome to Central Texas. There you go. Right. (laughs) All right, Chip. Um, My first love it or leave it topic for you is love it or leave it. Texas football truly is in rebuild mode as the Longhorns head into 2022. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to love this because, um, you know, you're starting over at quarterback uh, you know you have to improve the offensive line. Does that mean wholesale changes? Uh, does that mean, um, you know, newcomers who are going to be learning the position starting in June? And yes, you have Bijan Robinson and and Roshan Johnson and Xavier Worthy, a freshman All American, uh, and Jordan Whittington. But you don't know what you've got at tight end. Um, you you think you've got something in Gunnar Helm for sure and Jatavian Sanders and. Juan Davis is more of the kind of the Jared Wiley big receiver mold. In fact, I've said if they can't figure something out at receiver, move Juan Davis to receiver because he and Troy O'Meary are about the same size and Juan Davis is really fast. Mm-hmm. So um, 
but there's a lot of a lot of unknowns. And look, anytime you're starting over a quarterback, it's a big old question mark. I don't care how talented the guy is who's you know bucking for the job. And so, uh, and defensively, they were all over the place last year. I mean, we don't know if returning starters is a good thing right now. I mean, yeah. that's how tough it was for this defense to get any level of consistency. We know they had good, good games, good halves, good quarters. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it was really hard to find a complete game. And, um, and so it does, it feels like rebuild mode and, and you throw in the fact that Steve Sarkeesian's talking about replacing a third of the roster. I don't know how you can look at it as any other way. So, um, yeah, rebuild mode, not reload. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I think you have to love it. I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is looking to have a third of the roster be entirely new players this year. I mean, if, if that's not a sign that this is a rebuild, I really don't know what is. Um, I think that I don't necessarily know if many people expected there to be this big of a rebuild going into year two. Um, I think a lot of people obviously expected to have some rebuild in 2021, especially in replacing Sam Ellinger. I feel like a lot of uh, Texas fans probably grew a lot of um, appreciation for Sam Ellinger that they may not have had when he was on campus this past year because, you know, Texas was kind of uh, really fortunate to have just a consistent starting quarterback that they had for four years. And uh, anytime you are starting over at the quarterback position, obviously it's going to be a rebuild. I mean, as, as you said earlier, the quarterback's the only player that touches the ball on every offensive series, you know, and every offensive play, he's the, him in the center are the only ones that touch the ball every single time. So, and the fact that the Texas offensive line has been, um, I mean, I, I feel bad. I don't want to knock him. I feel like, I, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I, I just, you got to call it what it is. The offensive line was terrible at times last year and uh, it still is in a rebuild mode. I think that obviously I do believe that Kyle flood knows what he's doing. Um, I don't think that the the production or lack thereof at offensive line was necessarily an indication of his coaching ability. I think it was just showing that he was hindered to what he had available to him. And the fact that Texas has not been doing very well at recruiting the offensive line in the years prior and the ones that they signed, it seems like they're all gone. You know, I mean, even some of the or they haven't panned out. I mean, that that's not necessarily on Kyle Flood. I think it's just a miss um, from the former staff, honestly, at the position. So yeah, all that to say, and that's before we even get to the defensive side of the ball, which again, I do kind of believe, um, you know, I know a lot of people were down on Pete Kwiatkowski, but you know, how much of it was a personnel issue as opposed to a, you know, coaching issue. I think that, you know, in hindsight's 2020, obviously, I think that most Texas fans that we're down on Pete Kwiatkowski. If you go back and actually look at the the roster and the the guys he had at his disposal, he was kind of hindered too, similar to Kyle Flood on the offensive line. I mean, you can only get so much out of guys if they've reached their talent ceiling, and maybe their talent ceiling for on defense last year was a lot lower than I think a lot of people expected. So, yeah, all that to say, absolutely, this is still a rebuild. Um, and and I honestly, Chip, though, when you look at when Steve Sarkeesian was hired, you know, he was given a six-year contract. And every head coach, at least in my, um, you know, time covering Texas, so in the last 10 seasons, 
every first year head coach that was hired got a five year deal. I really do believe that Steve Sarkeesian was given six years because I think that Chris Del Conte understood the the challenge that was ahead. And that was a I I and this is just my opinion, but I really think that that played into the decision to give him six years instead of five, like the standard, you know, first year head coaching contracts have been, at least, you know, for Tom Herman and for Charlie Strong. Um, and I think that's definitely an indication of where the program is. I think that Crystal Conte understood that this is going to be a challenge, especially losing, you know, a Sam Ellinger and not having that starting veteran, you know, quarterback, that leader in the locker room. I think that there's a lot of things that probably played into him getting a six year deal. And, um, you know, I think a lot of that starts with he knew that this was going to be a rebuild and it was going to be a lengthy one, uh, no doubt. But, yeah, you have to love it, I think. All right. Love it or leave it, number two. Number two is love it or leave it. The position you're most excited about going into 2022 is running back and most concerned about is safety. Um, I'm going to leave this. I mean, I'm definitely excited about the running back position. I'm excited about Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington uh, getting another year better. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll love that. But my biggest concern um, is going to be quarterback because you've got, you've got uh, Quinn Ewers learning the offense. We don't know what kind of line um, he or Hudson card are going to be playing behind yet. You would hope it's going to be upgraded, but as we said, going through the spring, there might be only 11 offensive linemen available. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian likes to run two fields, meaning there's the one offense on that field and the two offense on that field. And they need, you know, 10 offensive linemen to make that happen. Right. And if you're down to 11 for spring football, um, so you want the quarterback to be able to, you know, get a good picture of what that life is going to be like. Uh, and I'm not sure how good that picture is going to be in the spring. So, um, you know, and whatever line is up there needs to be able to protect, uh, these quarterbacks. So, um, there's just a lot on that quarterback position and I may not feel good about the quarterback position until fall camp or even toward the end of fall camp, Taylor, that's how much there is um, for Quinn Ewers to learn, for Hudson Card to, you know, to grow from. Um, and so uh, I will leave this. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to leave it. But, um, you know, I definitely am very excited about the running back room. Um, and also, as you mentioned, wide receiver. Honestly, you mentioned Troy O'Meary a little bit earlier. And I literally in my head thought like, Oh, I forgot about him, you know, so if he can come along, you know, that receiver room may be a little bit better than uh, it currently looks right now. But at least having Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy, that's two huge um, returners that they will have on offense. But I think that my biggest concern still remains the offensive line. And and it's similar to what you said until I it, you said it's about the quarterback. But until I see the offensive line actually play consistently and not, you know, perform at an elite level, but just not be terrible and not, not make bonehead mistakes and not 
constantly be penalized. I'm always, I think I'm going to keep the mindset that this is a work in progress still. And um, so I think that, you know, I definitely think there's definitely some concern at quarterback. Um, I think Texas at least has, um, at least currently, you know, assuming that these guys are still on the roster after spring and they don't enter the transfer portal. But I think that there's at least enough capable bodies to play that position. But if the offensive line can't get it figured out in front of them, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. I mean, unless it's a Colt McCoy in 2009 that hid some massive deficiencies on the offensive line because he was that good. Um, I really think that the the offense is going to go not just as the quarterback goes. And I know that's like the you know typical saying, but I think this offense is going to go more so how the offensive line goes. So that remains my biggest concern for Texas. Um, and you know, again, I, th- I think that Kyle Flood, he's proven himself as a ability to develop offensive linemen. It's probably a lot easier to develop some of the offensive linemen that Alabama had because they basically had their their uh, picking of whoever they wanted, <laughs> the top players uh, every year. They all you know, stayed on campus class. and just got better every year. Exactly. But like you look at, I mean, it, it's just a different body of work. I think when you look at you know, watch the national championship game between Georgia and Alabama. I'm just like, God, how big are these guys? And you compare that to a Texas offensive line. You're like, gosh, how small are those guys? You know, so there's still a lot of work to be done, both from a development standpoint, but also I think from a personnel standpoint on the offensive line. And since it was so, you know, bad at times and mediocre at best a lot, I think in 2021, I think that's going to always be a concern until, it's kind of a, a show me, don't tell me at this point. That's where I'm at with the offensive line. I feel like I have been there for a number of years at Texas uh, just because there's been, you know, I've only seen two offensive linemen drafted in my career, and they were both low three-star prospects, diamond in the roughs that, you know, probably wouldn't have been at Texas if it wasn't for the head coach's relationships at the time of when they took over the job and Charlie Strong and, um, and Tom Herman, you know, with Sam Cosme and Connor Williams. So, yeah, that position is going to be a concern until I see otherwise. Yeah. Um, all right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right. My final one for you is love it or leave it. The biggest concern for Texas basketball right now is players getting into a rhythm with each other despite setbacks due to COVID-19 protocols. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll love this. I mean, um, I think for, for Chris Beard, he's trying to figure out you, you bring in these six transfers who are all highly decorated and um, we're all coveted. And then you got to find out how they fit and you got to find out who do we go to in the final four minutes of a close game? Who do we go to for one possession on a last second shot? All that stuff is being learned as we go. And Let's be honest, Texas had three tough non-conference games um, and a lot of easy games where they weren't pushed and they weren't put in those situations. Now they are getting put in those situations, and Chris Beard is learning about who's going to step up, who's bringing the energy every night, who's doing this, who's doing that. In the first three Big 12 games, they have missed a key player. Um you know, against West Virginia, they didn't have Andrew Jones. Then, um, you know, they go to K-State, they didn't have Chase Febris, and, you know, Trey Mitchell uh, then sits out uh, because of COVID protocol. So um, Trey Mitchell's a guy they have to have on the floor. And 
he's too skilled offensively. And I get Dylan DeZue's probably the better defensive presence down low. It'd be great if you could combine those two. But, um, you know, Trey Mitchell is skilled offensively, and we know that Texas has struggled uh, to to find rhythm offensively. And, and so they've got to use this first trip through the Big 12 to get all that stuff figured out, Taylor, so that once they – they hit, you know, mid-February, they know exactly who they're going to in those situations. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I'm going to, I think I'm going to love it. I think that uh, the rhythm of the uh, team is so instrumental. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, there's only five guys on the court. It's not like there's 11 on each side of the ball, like in football. And so, you know, if they're not gelling well together, um, that's going to lead to at least some, um, some question marks and probably some inconsistent play. And then you throw in the fact that there's a pandemic that is literally causing players, even if they aren't symptomatic, they still have to sit out. And I am sorry if you hear that there's a trash man outside of my uh, window right now. And it sounds like somebody's killing a cat or something. So I apologize if you hear that, but um, you know, the, throw in the COVID protocol wrinkle and you just never know what you're going to get each week in general. So I think that this is definitely um you know, I, I'm not sure if a concern would be my the right word that I would use. I would say um, a question, the biggest question for Texas basketball right now is the players getting into a rhythm, um, all things considered, not just, you know, the fact that a lot of these guys came from various schools from the transfer portal, came in, you know, trying to gel with uh, the few guys that were remaining on campus, um, but also, you know, um, playing in a rhythm when you may have some of those guys out. Yeah, that, that's going to be a question, I feel like. And I guess the good thing is it's not just a question for Texas necessarily because uh, it's not like they're the only school that's been dealing with COVID protocols. Uh, this is something that they just kind of, you know, college basketball in general, unfortunately, with it starting conference play, it um, happens to be at like the highest peak of this pandemic in the last few years, you know, so um, it's something everyone's going to work through, but definitely having, you know, so many different transfers coming from so many different schools and, um, you know, coming into Texas with a first year head coach, there already was going to be, you know, a concern or a question of how they flow and gel and how their rhythm is together. And so, yeah, this is this is definitely a question and a concern for Texas. And, um, you know, Chris Beard's a good coach, though, so. This will be a, a challenging task for him, you know, especially as a first year head coach to maneuver the whole situation. But in general, I mean, I think that um, you'll learn a lot, honestly, about Chris Beard and what he can do at Texas this year because of the unfortunate situation with the COVID-19 protocols and pausing and guys missing the games. Yeah. And later this month, Rick Barnes comes back to the Irwin Center uh, January 29th. Uh, for that Big 12 SEC challenge. All right, good stuff, good stuff. Um, Taylor, good to have you back. Yes, from, thank you. Um, you know, a rough week, and it's good to be back with you all, um, our our lovable listeners, um, our wonderfully dysfunctional family over at 24-7 Sports uh, appreciates it, and that's where we'll be until next time. And so, uh, and make sure you're, you got your eyes and ears open for the flagship podcast interview on Monday with Phil Dawson. 
the new head coach at Hyde Park High School in Austin, of course, uh, the record-setting kicker at Texas and a 20-year NFL career. So um, we will we will see you then. Until next time, for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. We'll see you, see you over at horns247.com. Uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.